don't know about you, but at one point in my life, I actually believed it was more noble to be poor, to give all of my money away, to undercharge for my services, and to play small. What I didn't get at the time was that money can be a force for good. Good for you, good for others, good for the planet. So I've been on a journey for over a decade to heal my relationship with money and explore wealth in all areas of life. Today, I help aspiring coaches start what I call a freedom business. And I help established entrepreneurs ditch their scarcity mindset. I now see more money as more opportunity, greater impact, and the ability to do more good. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. My friends, I have a very dear special guest with me today. This is a friend of mine who I've known for a number of years. This person was at my 40th birthday party, so has a near and dear place in my heart, happens to live across the ocean from me, but is just a great all-around human being and has an incredible story. So my friends, please help me welcome Rob Maliki to the show. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Mindy. This is awesome. Thank this you for those awesome. words. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, Rob is from Australia. He happens to be there right now yeah. touring around. And this is the story that I want to get to. I want to set the stage a little bit, the Global Society. I'll let you in on a secret. That company was actually what influenced the name of this very show. All right, cool. Yeah. The Lucrative Society was totally from knowing you and knowing about the Global Society. And I thought that's just an awesome name. I love it so much. So we created the Lucrative Society years ago. So thank you (laughs) for that influence. No worries. But let's start with that company. Can you talk a little bit about what it was and what you were up to? Um, So the Global Society is our second company. Um, My first company which would have been the one that was really rolling when um, you and I first met, was called AIM Overseas, study abroad provider in Australia. And I guess we were lucky in Australia. My wife and I started AIM Overseas um, 14 years ago. Study abroad was really just getting started in Australia at that time. And um, we set up this company, which was the very first independent third-party provider of programs to uni students. And so it's one of those things, you know, like good timing. And the company basically grew from from, from zero and our second bedroom to a, a good-sized business, you know, $6 million turnover, 15 staff, and um, about a 1,000 outbound students every year. So a, a nice business. And along the way, maybe because I've got a short attention span, but also in the interest of diversifying, we set up the Global Society. That's about five years ago now. And that's grown to 20,000 plus members, also supporting students who are going to have overseas study experiences. Then coronavirus happened and, and literally like it, 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 it all vanished. Um, well, actually, funnily enough, the Global Society is still going. Global Society is actually doing really well and has grown 
during coronavirus. So funny how these things work out that the diversification strategy actually worked. Um, but the main, the main business, AIM Overseas, like the main engine basically just like vaporized overnight. And, and we were lucky because we'd been planning on doing a trip around Australia for about four years. It's something particularly my wife had always dreamed about doing. And I remember coming home from work not that long ago um, or four years ago and, and her saying, I, I think we need to do a big trip around Australia with the kids for six months. And I was like, hmm, yeah, okay, let's go do, let's go do that. Twist um, my arm. So, yeah, twist my arm, that's right. I had to think hard. So, so literally, like, the timing probably couldn't have been better in many ways because now we have extended the trip from what would have been a six-month trip to a 12-month trip. And essentially, we, we, we don't even have to work or have to work very little on the second company while, while we're out here. So what could have been a really horrid year last year, having to close down a, a mature, successful business, has actually turned into like the most extraordinary opportunity of a lifetime, I'd say. So we're out here seizing that with both hands. <laughs> Rob, you're a very optimistic person. And (laughs) to most people, like, I just want to really dig in on those choices that you made because you did have a crazy successful business, lots of people involved, lots of money involved, lots of time invested, all of those things. And yet you came to the point where you had to make that choice of what are we going to do here? And it's lovely to hear you talk about it from the perspective where you are now. You're like having the adventure of a lifetime, you know, that's awesome. (laughs) But I want to go back to to those decisions, to those conversations, to what you might have gone through to get to Mm. the point that you're at now. Yeah, look, good good question. It's just reality. (laughs) You know, like you can't you can't change reality and for us i was actually in the, in the us at the social media marketing world conference down in san diego at the end of february 2020 got on a plane flew home and, and while, while we were there like i've been speaking with my wife every day as we do whenever whenever we're traveling and she'd been saying a lot about this kind of coronavirus thing i was i was just like it'll be fine you know we'd, we'd been through um, swine flu we'd been through birth like our our business had actually been through those periods true story when swine flu first broke down in mexico we were booked to go to mexico three weeks later and we went anyway <laughs> like we, we went down to mexico and we we're like what's this big deal like this pandemic thing yeah this is not a big deal like everything was handled so well down there like i was just saying to myself everything's going to be fine like this is just another one of those another one of those things we've seen before except it wasn't. <laughs> and by the time I, I got on the plane and flew home, you know, I've just flown overnight from Los Angeles to Sydney, jet lagged, haven't slept well. And I went with, with Maureen, my wife, to, to sit down and have coffee to talk it out. And she was just like, it's done. Like, this thing is, is stuffed. And I'm like, no, 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 it'll be fine. Like, you know, we've seen this before. Uh, you know, I've, I've read all these beautiful business books, like the hard thing about hard things. And we're going we're gonna to like find some clever, cunning, sneaky way to get around this. We're going to cheat. But, but you know, we, we, we talked through it and we were looking at Italy. We were looking at what was going on everywhere else at that point, which, which wasn't very much, to be honest. This is only the start of March. And the, the key thing for us was that 
two of our partner universities in Australia had said, you're not going to send any students out in July. We were too worried about this thing. And we just did the maths. And we said, okay, there's two unis that have said they won't permit students out. Everybody logically will follow because this thing was up to, you know, 11,000 cases in Italy and was starting to spiral. So like, okay, July is done. We had two periods a year when we sent students on programs, July and January. So if July was done, you know, a business that brings in money on a, you know, wave-like cycle, two peak periods, we just wouldn't have the cash. And so the longer you sit there and you wait and you do nothing, the worse the consequences are. And so, you know, we, we did, our, did our work and we, we did our maths on the back of the envelope and, and what have you. Um, and we're just like, okay, it's cooked, it's done. Had our board meeting on, on the Monday morning, put it in front of the board and the board was just like, yep, it's, it's finished. And so decision taken. So I'm not saying that was easy. I'm just saying that you can't escape reality. And sometimes reality, as, as you know well, like it sucks, it hurts. You know, uh, in, in particularly that week following that decision, both of us had moments where we just like would break down and cry and just be like, this, this can't be happening. You know, we've spent 13 years and this thing's rolling and, you know, we're creating this amazing impact in people's lives with these experiences, but it's reality. And you're better off just to face up to that and get on with whatever reality is today than just like to delude yourself. So, and look how it's worked out. It's worked out brilliantly. It's worked so, out yeah. brilliantly. And I want to ask you about the mindset progression from that point to where you are now, because to your point about that is how life happens. You know, I, I know that, you know, that in various different contexts and it freaking sucks. And for me, I remember after Sean died, being very freaked out for a while about money. I was like, oh, like somehow I thought I'm never going to make any money again. Or like, I can't make any money by myself, which who knows why I thought that I already had a business before, you know, mm. but in that grief, crazy mindset, I was like, oh, I'm never going to make money again. I'm so scared. Did you and Maureen have some of those kinds of like just overwhelming fear about cash specifically, because I know that I did when life showed up for me. And if so, how did you work your way through that? Uh, I mean, for me personally, not about money. Um, I, I, I think, I, I think, sorry, Philly, it's, it's very human, <laughs> I think, to, to feel those things. So if anyone's listening to this and, and, and feels like that, I, I think that would be the number one thing that people worry about is like what am I going to do how am I going to survive you know financially but but for me much much less so when I was at university I just did every crappy job under the sun right like I worked I worked cleaning a butcher's shop in the evenings in order to to, to bring in some cash which was as disgusting as it sounds it sounds um, disgusting and it's, it's so bad and you know, I've done paper runs and refereed soccer. I've done so many like, like you know, crappy jobs, but it, it brings in money. And, and, and in the end, I know I can go back to any of that stuff, even traveling around Australia now, like the amount of work that's out there. If you're just happy to work, like shelve your ego for a second 
and just say, I, I just need to make some money. It's, it's out there. And, you know, 13 year old business with you know, lots of staff and what have you, you know, we were coming out of that business way better off, not just financially, but, but with the skills and knowledge than we went in. And so to me, there wasn't outside of those kind of moments where it was just like, I can't believe this is happening. To me, I don't think I really experienced any of that fear of not having enough because I guess I've, I've got enough in my life now that I, I feel comfortable with that. Now, that's not to say that, you know, now we're actually starting to think about whatever we do next. Like we're, we're trying to plan new businesses um, and come up with new ideas. When That doesn't say that you know, we're not having some um, moments where you're like, is this going to get to the same stage as what, aim overseas was but it also doesn't matter you know as, as long as you're alive and you're, you're surviving with the basics I, I don't think it matters that much to be honest I think that that's a really powerful perspective to keep in mind and I'm curious what what helped develop that in you do you feel like you've always kind of naturally been in the abundant mindset or was that from your childhood? Or like, where, where does that come from in you? Because I guarantee that there are people listening to us right mm. now that are like, yeah, I don't think that way. <laughs> yeah, sure, of course. And like, to be clear, I, I, I think it's, once again, humanity, we're all humans. We all have flaws and things that we struggle with and demons and all of that. So you are normal. <laughs> if you're listening to this and that is you, you're completely normal. You're not broken. And, and you're going to be okay. Um, where does that come from? Gee, that's that's a good question. What intuitively came to me when, when you asked that question, I thought back to when I was um, doing an exchange program in, in the UK when I was going through university. And I'd brought my bike, my, my road bike, my mountain bike, sorry, over from Australia. And I started doing like these crazy long rides all over the UK. And the UK has these beautiful roads, you know, through countries, towns and over hills. And it's, you, you just have all of this space and you don't, you can ride all day and basically not come across any people or any cars. And I guess that was my first experience of just the world being as big and as open as it is. And, and I'm, I love the outdoors. You know, I was part of a search and rescue, bushwalking search and rescue squad for 20 years I've done tons of outdoor stuff, you know, this long distance hiking, uh, sorry, cycling stuff I've done a lot of. And, and maybe it's just that space that I've had to actually go, oh, the world is so much bigger than me. And I don't need that much in it, to be honest. You know, if we're super fortunate, I'm so grateful to be doing what, what, what we're doing right now. But equally, like, there are a hundred other things that I could be doing right now that would be incredible. You know, it's amazing we get to talk right now, but, you know, I could be you know, down at the beach. I could be working. You know, I love work. I could be reading a book. I could be having a great coffee. <laughs> there are so many things out there. And to me, I guess it's just seeing all of that out there all the time. It's always there for you. And, and realizing that, you're not stuck in, I mean, you're stuck in this present moment, bad news. You know, we're, we're all here in the present moment, but that present moment can shift and change and you get to decide what you're going to do with it. So I guess I don't feel overwhelmed about that stuff because 
there is literally unlimited opportunity out there. I absolutely love that response. So thank you for just being thoughtful around that. That that was awesome. And mm. actually leads right into my next question because there may be some overlap in what you just said. But something I ask all of my guests, because this show is really about my journey to understand and discover and learn about wealth with all the yep. crappy financial things that I went through earlier in my life. It's a, it's a big, big passion for me. So Rob, how would you personally define wealth? What is wealth to you? I don't. Um, another amazing answer i i don't sorry (laughs) sorry does that kind of (laughs) you're just like oh we have to ditch this interview (laughs) um no no i i i don't um well talk to me about that talk to me about not defining yeah yeah. um why why like I, i i literally spend no time thinking about that now and sorry just just to be clear that that doesn't mean that Sometimes I don't think about where I want to get to in terms of like having a, a financial goal or something like that, but I don't spend any time on it. And, and maybe that's because, just trying to think this through, but you know, wealth to me is maybe like a label. It's, it's, it's a label that we put on an, an end point. And to me, like it's, it's kind of like the present moment that, that really counts. And, and actually, how about this? How about this? Um, one of my brothers-in-law has been incredibly successful by every traditional measure. He's got a brilliant business brain, has run multiple successful businesses, has you know sold them well, um, spent six months driving McLarens on racetracks around the world. I mean, you know, by every measure has been extremely successful. Is that wealthy? I mean, for him, yes, definitely. Um, and and he's, he's, he's been really positive about that. Super good guy. The fact that he's a great human being is more important to me than what he's achieved in business and, and in terms of money. I've got another brother-in-law who runs business in France. And financially, it's been hard. Like, he's really fought the good fight. He's a, it's more like the sort of um, tradesman side of things. He's a brilliant tradesman. He does incredible work. He's got a lot of pride in what he does. And he's in an industry which is, it's, it's, it's like an industry with a lot of corruption and he plays it straight. You know, is that wealth? Yeah, maybe. Um, ultra, ultra, ultra trail running, ultra marathon trail runners, you know, those guys that run overnight through the next day and through the next night and the sun comes up on them. You know, the sun comes up when they're delirious with sleep deprivation and they've run 100 miles. That moment of like, I can't imagine what it'd be like. It must be ecstasy, you know, that that hit that they get or, 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 or the person that's been meditating for 12 hours. Is, is that wealth? Yeah, I mean, it's everything. It's all of it. So I think I'm less worried about the label and worrying about, all those things that I am about trying to find those moments um, where things are, are beautiful. So can I reflect something to you? Mm. Please. The way that I define wealth is looking at the etymology 
of the actual, the word wealth and where that comes from. And its original meaning was well-being. And I feel like for you, just having been friends with you for all these years, the reason that you may not think that much about it or, or care to even define it, if you will, is because you are that, you have that. And it's kind of like asking a fish to be like, hey, can you define water for me? And the fish, <laughs> the fish would be like, it just, it, it's my existence. How can I define this thing? I don't even think about yeah. it. And like I said, having known you for all these years, you are the definition of well-being in terms of family, career, health, activity. I mean, you've got all these different things kind of going on a very high level. So that kind of makes sense to me that you wouldn't need to think about it that much. Thanks, Mindy. It's about the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, this, maybe there's some truth in that. And I guess the important thing in that is that, I mean, I don't know how, how it maybe got to that point, but it's there for all of us. There are so many beautiful things in this world, so many beautiful moments that we can experience every day. And the more that you just like lean into that, you know, the more that the rest of the, the other stuff doesn't matter so much. Well, you know, I think that that actually speaks volumes to why we are friends <laughs> because we both mm. seek out the best in life in terms of our optimistic perspective and like what we want to do and the mm. adventures that we want to have so that just adds to our friendship so totally agree with you on that i want to get down into some of the the nitty gritty stuff about your life though because there will okay. be people listening that are saying, okay, well, how, how does this guy just have all like, how, like things happen? Yes, that's life, but he's made the best of all of these situations. How does he do it? So mm. this is a four part question. It's based on an acronym called HERB, H-E-R-B, or actually HERB if I'm speaking Australian. So the H. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> the H stands for habits. What are some of your mm -hmm. habits, either daily, weekly, or monthly? I mean, other than drinking great coffee. I, <laughs> uh, I love it. Habits. I think, I think there are almost two types of habits. If, and, and actually, to back up a step from that, I think if I have one habit, there's one thing that I really want to try to do every day it's to try to make myself a little bit better than I was yesterday. That, that's probably the, the one real habit. And then everything kind of falls off that. To me, there's, there's almost like two, two types of habits. The first is, is like a, an on-off kind of habit. It's like something we do do every day or we, we, we do not do anymore to make ourselves better. Uh, oh, good. I'm wondering if I can tell that story or not. No, I won't tell that one. It's a bit weird. Um, Hold on. You cannot <laughs> drop a hint like that and then not tell the story. I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast. All right. So an, an on-off habit, right? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll lead into it just by saying that there was a study done in, in the UK that found that 76% of people urinate in the shower. So if that's you, 
it's okay. You're there with most of the human population. <laughs> but some time ago, I decided like, I didn't want to ever do that again. And it becomes a binary decision. It's on or off. It's like, I'm going to do that ever again. Maybe, maybe a cleaner version of that, but stay, staying with a shower. I've been taking cold showers for about three years now. I don't know why I started. Probably this like, you know, kind of self-improvement, want to keep moving forward. And I'd heard stuff on Tim Ferriss's podcast about how cold is so good for you. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to try this cold showering thing. And <laughs> like anyone that's tried cold showers, at the start, it sucks. Like it really, really sucks. But I decided to make it a, a binary on-off decision. Every time I get in a shower, it doesn't matter how warm or cold it is outside, the cold tap goes on and that's it. And I think that's been a really good mental exercise more than anything else because every day I'm just forced to exercise that muscle where against what I really want to do, I turn on the cold tap and that's it. So I think trying to make good on-off decisions is important. Now, I love a glass of wine. And if I were left to my own devices, I'd probably drink a glass or two every night. And I just realized recently that that's probably not the healthiest thing to do. So no more than two glasses in a night and no more than two, you know, no more than every second night, if that makes sense. so that there's always a night off in the middle. So it's just like a binary decision that makes it really easy to stick to. And then on the other side of that, so that's like on-off habits, but then on the other side of that is is what I think is like incremental improvement. The way I think a lot of people approach habits and maybe a lot of stuff in life in general is they make it too big. They're like, I'm going to become a runner or I'm going to lose... 50 kilos do you know how hard that is like you know you've got to start small and you've got to do things incrementally and so the moment that you start something like that you are a runner or you are losing weight even if you've only lost one gram even if you've only run 500 yards you still are that thing it's just that you're in the early stages you're a beginner and you need to get better at it. And so I have a ton of um, things that, that I, I do, maybe not every day, but that when I remember to do them, um, I will incrementally move myself forward in those things. I can list some of them if that's useful. Sure. So, okay. So um, like I've, I've always been a little bit of a scrawny guy in my arms. So 35 push-ups a day. The days I remember to do it, I'll do 35 push-ups. I do Duolingo every day. So I'm learning Spanish and have been doing that for five minutes a day for like three years. The Calm Meditation app, same thing. I've been doing that for about two or three years. That has been amazing. I try to do some stretching whenever I remember to do it. I'm now over 40 and so, you know, it's all downhill from here. So I figure like if I can still, if I can touch my toes, I never was able to touch my toes before. If I can stretch enough parts of my body to be able to touch my toes, that's kind of like the benchmark for me for the rest of my life. So whenever I think of it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. And actually, maybe the, maybe the best one is just remembering to smile. We were on this trip, you know, we're on this trip and we passed through this little town and I went into tourist information 
and the lady there had you know like the downward facing smile like looking mis yeah you know what i'm talking about like looked as miserable as anything and I, I i remember just having this epiphany and i went oh god like it's not because you're not happy that you end up with the downward facing smile it's just because you don't stretch the muscles to smile so do that <laughs> and so like every day whenever it comes into my mind I just try to smile and and maybe that's a good thing you know that you know your, your, your psychology follows your your body so whenever you smile it also raises your mood so it's also a positive in that sense but I, I just want to be that person when I'm old that has the smile like stuck on my face not the not the downward you know unhappy looking um, scowl Rob I don't uh, think that you're going to be that person with the scowl I cannot I cannot see that at all <laughs> yeah I love that so that's, habit. That's, that's, the habit of smiling yeah. is is so perfect and I want to just re-emphasize what you were talking about with making the habits smaller like bringing the things down I love that you brought that up because that's something that I've been talking about a lot with the members of the lucrative society. It's like, we all have these massive dreams and big goals and it's like, let's bring it in, you know, let's make it more attainable. So totally love that. And I just want to put a plug in. If you like the calm app, you should also check out insight timer because okay. yours truly has some meditations on there. So you should check that out. Oh, cool. Insight timer, as in insight timer. Yeah, oh yeah, as in as an insight. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> as in insight, exactly. So moving on, to I'll definitely do e. that. The E stands for environment. Now this is specifically very interesting for you because you are traveling. <laughs> you are on this adventure. Yeah. How do you set up your environment to maintain your optimism or be productive or get your stuff done like what is your environment like right now like i think that the main way i would look at environment is not trying to control it too much because there's so much which is outside of your control and it, it becomes like that thing in meditation like where you where you resist like if, if you're resisting the flow and you're resisting your environment it's just going to cause pain and blockages in you that are going to hold you up so whatever I can control here in the caravan, I was, I was just doing a little tour with you on, on video before we started recording. And it's, it's kind of chaos right, right now because there's more than just me in this caravan. So if I'm like, I like to fold all my clothes and put them away, but we've got two kids. There's toys all over the place. There's clothes all over the place. You know, I, I could really beat myself up and want to put all of that stuff away. And it's not, sorry, I'm not to say that I'm a slob and I won't put that stuff away, but I'm just not going to agonize about that and, and put myself into any kind of situation where um, it's causing me any kind of, any kind of grief. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not, just not trying to control things too, too much. Um, but then on the work side of things, you know, when we were running AM overseas, that was, quite a well-established you know business and had a lot of moving parts there you need you need more structure and so I was trying to introduce things in that company that made things clear and predictable and repeatable so systems and processes and things like that because that introduces that sense of calm where there are, you know you, you need to be able to 
control things a little bit better and have things more harmonized in an organization where there are many, many moving parts. So having having kind of talked that whole way through, I think there's a balance between going with the flow and environment, bumpers to make things run the way you want it to run. Absolutely. So moving on to the R, the R stands for resources. This is my favorite mm-hmm. part of the question. Resources could be books, programs, coaches, what, whatever kind of resource, but what are some of the resources that have been very impactful in your life and that you would recommend to others? Hmm. So many, aren't there? Um, so many. I often think about what's been my best low cost investment in recent years. And have you ever seen one of those like spiky massage balls, like the trigger point release Yes, I have. Balls. Have you ever seen that? They, that, that is like just mind-bogglingly awesome. <laughs> I love it that I ask that you is- about like books, programs, whatever. And you're like, there's this spiky ball. <laughs> so good. It's been amazing. I mean, I'll, I'll name a few books in a moment. But yeah, this, the, the blue spiky ball has, has changed my life. Um, you know, because everything in our body gets tight and uh, like everybody, like I get, oh, my back's sore again and oh, my legs are tight and, and you can control that with a $10 piece of equipment just by taking one minute twice a day to like roll your feet, roll your glutes, you know, and roll your shoulder blades and you're fine. So the blue spiky ball has been the best resource I think I've invested in. But then like other, other stuff, books but the the two books that have been i think most impactful for me in recent years thinking fast and slow by danny kahneman super dense hard to read your way through but but, oh such a mind shift you know when you understand how all of these things happen now these biases that happen happen in our mind and you really understand that you start to see it in yourself all the time and then you can respond to that. So amazing mind-shifting book. And then on the other side, it's called The Definitive Book of Body Language by Barbara and Somebody Pease. is amazing because so much human com- communication is non-verbal. And once you start looking for the people's cues, you see them everywhere. And it tells you what people are thinking without them telling you. And I'm not saying that's it's amazing so you can manipulate that, but just so you can respond to it. So let's wrap up this acronym with the B. The B stands for beliefs. What are some mm-hmm. of your core beliefs or the way in which you see the world that really influence your success, influence how you are on a day-to-day basis? Like what's, what are those driving beliefs? There's a Pearl Jam song and, and maybe unsurprising that my core philosophy comes from a Pearl Jam song when I followed them on the arm as a group you get across Europe back in 2000. But there's a song when they say it makes much more sense to live in the present tense. And more than anything, one of the reasons I get along so well with my wife, you know, her, her, um, her philosophy is carpe diem, live the day. Um, so this idea of just like living in the present is, is, is everything. For me and that doesn't mean that I always succeed like far from it I'm always falling out of the present moment but come back to it 
And, and I think then the other side of that from the present, you know, a lot of people get tied up in the past. Maybe when I was 13, I was reading a book of, of quotes because that was just something that I was into when I was, was a kid. And there was a quote in there that said, regrets will hold you back and will stop the most wonderful things from happening in your life. And that always just, it just stuck in my heart. And I went, that's so true. And so I, I don't regret anything. That's not to say that there's not things that I look back on and go, oh, I could have done that better. All of those things have been really critical lessons to, to get me to where I am now. Live in the present best I can. And, and then finally, there's this, this Rome quote that I love, which is, it is my mountain. You know, they say that it's too high, it's too windy, it's too dangerous, but it's my mountain. And I'm either going to see me waving from the top or you're going to find me dead on the side because I'm not coming back. You know, and when we first met, you, you said to me, yeah, like I basically designed what I wanted my ideal year to look like. And I want to have two four-week holidays a year. I'm going to have these two blocks of periods. These are the things I'm going to do. This is going to be the output. And recently we, we sat down and we, we did that exercise. You know, we did that exercise. We were like, what does life for us in its perfect form look like? And it came out, we came out with crazy shit, you know, like, we want to go to France every year and we want to have a holiday somewhere else every year. We want to work four days a week. We want to work, you know, want to, one of us drop off the kids, one of us pick up the kids from school, this, 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 this. And you look at it on paper, or sorry, people would look at that on paper and just be like, that doesn't exist. I, like that, that's completely changed everything for me. I look at that and I'm like, that does exist. We, we just need to find it or we need to create it. Um, exactly you need to create it do it just do that i mean it's, it's your bread and butter right like you do this all this all the time these like visioning exercises but, but i don't know like sometimes we do that for our career or we do it for our life or we forget it but everything is possible it's so true and i love that you both you are on that path because that's what i, I still i still take two months off every year brilliant i only work about three to four days a week and that is by design, 100%. So, heck, yes, it is absolutely possible. But what do people, what do you think people, well, actually, what, what do people say to you when you tell them that that's possible? Like, what's people's instant reaction? What do you get most often? They feel like that's, that I have some magical powers or something. <laughs> like, as if I can do it, but they could never do that. And I'm like, why not? you absolutely could do that. You just have to decide to do it and then put in the action or the boundaries or whatever it may be. But I, I feel like people a lot of times don't feel like it's possible for themselves. They're like, that's great, Mindy. That's great that you get to do that. But I couldn't do that. Well, I always say, why not? Why not? Why can't you do that? It's like we hold ourselves back, don't we? This, we is, why, this so is why, Rob, I will always have work. Because yeah. we, as, as a human species, we do. We hold ourselves back, which is why coaching is such a powerful thing of like, you guys, you don't need to do that <laughs> as much. Yeah. There's so much potential out there. Like, let's go get it. Yeah. 
yeah and actually like if i think about that for, for me maybe that's the thing that's that's shifted in the last maybe it's since we started running the business i don't know but i just stopped doing that that's mm. and maybe that's the core habit too like just stop holding yourself back you know that that little nattering voice that's in all of our heads that starts to be like no no you can't do that you shouldn't do that uh-uh-uh. like just tell it to shut up or, or shift it and just just have it say to you you're awesome you're doing a great job you've got this you can choose you know like make it positive because we can control that voice it's just most people just let it go and let it go and then they listen to it and then it's infectious and it's bad but you shift it over and to start with like when i started talking to myself in that way right like no come on don't panic focus you've got this let's do it part of you just kind of goes oh no this is so stupid but it's damn it's effective and once you just let yourself talk to yourself in a positive way everything changes absolutely so rob if people are interested in following your adventures and just seeing what you're up to, because there's always a good story in it, where can they go? Where can people find more about you? There's probably two places uh, on YouTube. I have a channel called a life that travels, not so much about my life, but just the concept of life being a journey and we're all traveling. So a life that travels and also on Instagram as well, a life that travels, you'll find me there. Perfect. I will link to both of those places. And uh, I just have a ton of gratitude for you. I am super grateful for you being on this show. Thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your friendship. I totally appreciate it. Thanks, Mindy. It's been awesome chatting with you, as always. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lucrative Society. You can find free resources to create your lucrative life at lucra.com. That's L-U-C-R-A dot com. Or join my crew of rebel entrepreneurs as a member of the Lucrative Society, where you'll get monthly coaching directly from me and resources to grow your business and yourself. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.